Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Good afternoon. This is April the 13th at 3 p.m. in Erie, Pennsylvania, and you are watching Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and I am Father Larry Richards, and this is still the octave of Easter. Easter is so great, so important. One day cannot contain it. So we have all these days we just celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is risen. In the early church, what I started with is what they would greet each other with. They would say, Jesus is risen, and the other one would respond, he is risen indeed. That was the biggest proclamation of the early church, that Jesus Christ isn't dead, but he's alive and if only we could sit there and start living like people that knew that Jesus Christ was alive, that knows that Jesus Christ is alive, that could proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive, and we can all be saved by him if we enter into a living, loving relationship with him. I was just talking to some friends of mine, we were talking about different things, and I was talking about our diocese, but most dioceses, and how we have programs, but we don't use the name Jesus enough. We don't say Jesus. We'll say Eucharist, which is Jesus. We'll say sacraments, which is an encounter with Jesus. We'll say all this Catholic speak, and we need to be more reaching out to people who don't know Jesus and have them experience Jesus and know that you, when you enter into relationship with the church, you're entering into relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to proclaim Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need to say his name, Jesus, 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 again and again and again. Ah, my little tirade for this afternoon, <laughs> but I'm just big on... Uh, Jesus is real, and we need to be proclaiming him, and we need to be showing that Jesus Christ lives inside of you and me. Anyway, we have a lot of questions today, and we'll get to those later. As I said this morning, what I want to focus on today is just living God's will, what that looks like, what it means, how do you do it? And I'm extremely thirsty. And the reason I'm extremely thirsty is because it's Easter and a lot of people got me chocolate or black jelly beans, which I love black jelly beans, or Romolo's uh, strawberry, uh, strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberries or Romolo's uh, sponge candy. And I've been eating it. And what all that does is I'm a diabetic is it takes me out of my um, numbers, of course, and then it makes me... Uh, Go to the bathroom a lot, and it makes me very thirsty, which isn't a good sign, but I get over this in a couple of days. Just, uh, uh, But I always, <laughs> I don't want to give it away or, you know, throw it away or, you know, uh, make the people that brought me the chocolate feel bad, so I got to do something. <laughs> is that called rationalization? Yes, it is. But anyway, we will get back. As an aside, I ask your prayers on a Sunday. I have to go to Thy Mercy Sunday and have to get a CAT scan with contrast, because last time I had a CAT scan in January, they found some problems in lymph nodes, and they weren't just happy with that, so they wanted me to get another CAT scan in three to six months. So we're getting that on Sunday afternoon. Just pray that all is well. Um, you know, and if it's not well, it'll all be well either way, you know, but still, uh, God willing, It'll all be well uh, this Sunday. Okay, so today let's go and let's focus on the reality that uh, the number one thing, again, as I've said so many times here on the air, and I say it all the time when I do a parish mission, and I say it all the time in my parish. We have one purpose in life. What's the one purpose in life that all of us have? The one purpose in life is to do God's holy will or live God's holy will. And again, his holy will is the same in the fact that he wants us all to go to heaven, all the same. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. That's his holy will. But what is the particular holy will that God has for me to get there? 
so I can get to heaven and live forever with God because that's what he wants. You know, the opening line of my book, Surrender, is God wants you in heaven. Huh? And the whole book is about how do we get to heaven? You know, what do we do? And for whatever reason, the, the podcast that I did, and they only took a part of it, of course, uh, that gets the most attention for whatever reason, and people, good people and people that just are coming at me, is what, da- what sins damn you to hell forever? And again, when we talk about that, and you can look it up, it's just, of course, the only time Jesus explicitly says who goes to hell is I was hungry and you gave me no food, get out of my sight. And so people say, no, all you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No, all you have to do is be baptized. No, and it's just like, or you didn't, you know, again, it's like, uh, okay, you only saw part of it. They only put part of it out. It would be best if you watched the whole uh, episode of the thing that day. But again, when it comes to knowing God's will and living God's will, it's the same type thing. People say, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. Yeah, but you can never go wrong with just doing God's will. Can you do wrong? Could you, could you uh, ever go to hell because you did God's holy will? Could you ever be up, got, upset God because you did his holy will? There is no bad thing in any way possible. If you and I seek God's will and we live God's holy will every day, then we're doing what God wants us to do. Of course, we're going to go to heaven. And the examples of that, of course, is Jesus when he says, uh, Father, let this cup pass me by, but not as I will, you, you will. But we have to remember that when we say yes to God's holy will, that we may have to go through a cross. Jesus sure did. And it just, you know, it says traditionally, it said three times, we talked about it last week in Matthews or one of the Gospels, it says many times he said that. But if we think that God's war, uh, will will end in our death, that is not correct. If we live God's will, it'll always end with our eternal life. We all have to die to ourselves every day. This isn't a thing about waiting until you die at the end. It's about saying no to your will every day, me saying no to my will every day, which is the hardest thing to be honestly, totally honest with you. That's the hardest thing I do uh, because I like to do things my way as much as I preach against that. But the reason I preach against that is because it's such a thing that I'm always doing and it's all the, the number one issue I have to fight against in my own life, doing it my way, uh, instead of God's way, or calling my way as God's way. Both of those things are totally wrong, of course. And so it's always purifying ourselves so that we can sit there and live to do God's will, and that helps when we know that his will will always bring us eternal life. It's not his will for any of us to go to hell. It's his will that we all go to right to heaven. That's his will. One that messes it up is us. So uh, when God said to Jesus in his humanity, you know, the cross and Jesus struggled with it. He kept, his struggle always ended with, but not my will, but yours be done. Mary, when Mary said uh, in Luke chapter 138, and she says, yes, to God's holy will, life got brought into the world. Remember, I've talked about it many times, but when we sit there and we look at... Uh, Eve, Eve said no to the will of God. So did Adam, of course. Uh, but Eve was the one that said no. To, and since she was the mother of us all, her no to God's will brought death to the world. When Mary said yes to God's will, her yes to the holy will of God brought life to the world. Eternal life, salvation, peace, all these things because she said yes to God's will. So it must be the same for us. Again, even when Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, um, again, I'm going to finish this miserable book soon enough. I just keep praying. He sits there. Part of it is, is um, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. So every day, when you and I say the Lord's Prayer, if we mean what we say as we're saying every day, your will be done. And not in a way of like, okay, whatever you want, I'll do, please. 
It's a going out of our way that, God, I want your will more than I want my next breath. Think about that. Is there anything more perfect we can do? Because when we do God's will, we love him. When we do God's will, we love others. When we do God's will, we put other people's for, uh, needs in front of our own needs. When we do God's will, we do not sin. When we do God's will, everything perfectly, we're saying, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want your will just like the angels always do your will in heaven. I want my uh, heaven to begin on earth by living your will the same way. So the point is that we always got to do God's will. Now, how do we do God's will? Well, this is where it all begins. First of all, it has to begin again, excuse me. With our wanting to do God's will. With our wanting to do God's will. Everything has consequences, huh? I, we're having our kids uh, getting confirmed in our parish, and they have to all come see me. And so I told them, you know, uh, when I did their retreat, everyone, you have to go to weekly mass to get confirmed. We had some kids that refused to go to weekly mass. And so when they came to see me, I said, you can't get confirmed. And I said, the time might come when you want to get confirmed, and then you can freely do it, but we don't push sacraments on people that the faith isn't that important to them now a lot of people think well father why don't you just let him get confirmed something might happen no nothing will happen without faith huh so if you don't have you know so again like i said to the couple of the kids i just said listen i'm not telling you as of right now i'm telling you can't be confirmed but it's two weeks if you pray about it and think about it and talk to your parents about it and you come back to me and say, okay, Father, I'm going to change. I'm going to go to Mass. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I really do want to be confirmed. Then I'll let them get confirmed because I believe in repentance. I believe in second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. But you got to at least want it. You got to at least desire it. And you got to start proving that you want it by going to mass why because that's god's holy will for you and if you're going to get the holy spirit you need to be open to receiving that spirit so i mean very sad i mean when i said this to people i literally couldn't sleep last night because i feel horrible about the reality but you need faith and you got to at least desire to want what god wants and again we meet people where they're at but we got to give them what they want. You understand? We meet people where they are at, but we give them what they want. We don't force sacraments on anybody. We don't force relationships with Jesus on anybody. Even a church tried that. They used to, if you lived in Rome and you were Jewish, they did everything to make sure you converted to Catholicism, which was wrong, absolutely wrong. God does not go against our will. God allows us to go to hell forever if we choose. He will give us what we want. We don't force people into relationship with God. That is not his will. His will is everybody gets saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, but then they have to accept that will freely. The greatest gift God gave us was existence. The second greatest gift God gave us was freedom a free will. So if God does not make us come to him, we can't make others go to him. And that's sad, you know, when you know what they're choosing brings death. It doesn't bring life. When Eve said no to God's will, it brought such death to all of us. And always when we say no to God's will, it's not because God is mad and says, okay, hell with you. Literally, that ain't what it is. It's that freedom. So when you and I say the Lord's Prayer, we're saying, God, I want your will. I desire it. Huh? Again, people have come to me throughout the years when I talk about this, and they say I'm mad at God, and I go, why are you mad at God? Because I've been asking something for six months, and I haven't got it. I go, oh, that's what prayer is. God, jump through my hoop and give me what I want or I'm not talking to you and I get mad. 
Is that what prayer is? Prayer is to bend our will to the will of God. So you and I got to desire it, not just surrender to it. Okay, if this is what you want, desiring it more than we want our next breath. So the first question you and I have to ask ourselves is, do I want God's will in my life more than I want my will in my life? And again, when we start looking at it, we can't see tomorrow. We don't know what's best for us. huh? We don't know. We think we do know what's best and we tell God all the time what we want. But sometimes God says, no, I always use the example of, uh, oh, Billy Graham's wife, uh, Ruth Graham, I think is her name, Ruth Graham. And once she was given a talk and she says, I am so glad that God says no to prayer or I'd have married the wrong guy three different times. Huh? Because she'd sit there and say, God, this is the one I want to marry. You understand, God, this one, this is the one I want right here. And God said, no. <gasps> How can you not give me what I want? And then another one comes and Ruth says, oh God, this would be the greatest person. Oh my. And he said, no. Now again, I can't remember if it, when, when she told the story, it was two times or three times. But either way, comes again, looks at God and says, God, I want this man to be my husband. You're going to grant this request. God says, no. And then God gave her Billy Graham. That when we wait for God's will, it'll always be best. Like when a kid comes to me and they've been dropped by their boyfriend or girlfriend, I says, hey, listen. Never settle for a Volkswagen Beetle when God has a Cadillac waiting for you. Do you understand? <laughs> so if he says no to the one thing, say okay and move on to another. That is what's important. That is what we got to be doing. So we got to desire. And what that desire for God's will, it comes out of a, a faith, a hope, and a trust that God knows better than I do. He'll always let us take what we want, but there's consequences. So if I sin, he'll give me the first consequence of sin is giving us what we want. Huh? God has the, we, he has given us free will, but we need to surrender our will to his. And the only way we really can do that is if we know and believe and hope that God wants what's best for me. And though I can't see what's best, he can see. And he loves me more than I love myself so I can trust him. Remember, I think I've told you the story here. My stories I tell <laughs> too many places, so I have no idea. Anyway, but the boy who had pneumonia and he was going to die, and they're taking him to the hospital, and he looks at his dad and he says, Dad, I trust you. And he goes, yes, of course, I love you. I'll always take care of you. Dad, don't you let them give me a shot. I don't care what else, but don't you dare let them give me a shot. And the father says, I'll always do what's best for you, son. Anyway, they go to the emergency room, and they said, your son is going to die if he doesn't get this shot. And then your boy looks at you and says, you don't let them give me your shot. Daddy, I trust you. Daddy, I trust you. Daddy, I trust you. Then you take your son and you hold him while they give him the shot. Then your kid cries and he screams and he says, I trusted you. I trusted you to take care of me. I trusted you to protect me and you let them hurt me. But you know that what you did was so your son could live forever. The pain that he had to go through at that moment was nothing compared to the eternal life that God has waiting for him and the life that God wanted to let him live on this earth. So sometimes God is holding us as we're getting our shot, but he knows what's best. He loves us, and he will take care of us. And that's where it comes when we say, your will be done. It's not a resignation of, okay, I lost, you won. It's a Lord, it's a daddy, I know that you love me more than anybody else. And no one will take care of me more than you. And whatever you have, it's for my good. Romans eight twenty eight. 
God makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called by his decrees. So, do you desire God's will more than you desire yours? And if so, the first thing is desire it, but the second thing is to listen to God so you can know what that is. Huh? So, that's why, first of all, in our prayer, our prayer got to be long enough that we're not just talking, but we're listening, and we're listening specifically for God to tell us his will. Huh? Again, the other day, God told me uh, pretty explicitly, he didn't want me to say the S word anymore. You know, the S word ends with a T. And uh, it was a big word in my family, and it's just part of who I am in so many ways. But he convicted me about it the other day. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to get that word out of my life for love of you, to do your will. And then I'd sit there and catch myself saying, I go, sorry, God, because it didn't just happen instantly. I wish it would have. You know, uh, uh, Catherine Doherty, who I had visited years ago, she was, ran Madonna House up for canonization. And she wants to ask her uh, spirits director what she liked the S word too. And she'd say, you know, can I use this one? Can I use this one? And he finally let her use the word crocodile, S-H-I-T. Uh, she's of canonization. So whatever reason, it's been part of my north side upbringing. And, but the Lord convicted me, and I said, okay, I'm going to start using that word. Stop using that word, Lord. Uh, not my will. It's not going to hurt me, but it's going to change my um, culture of my, what I say. And when I've said that word, it's very, uh, you know, some of you right now are saying, I can't believe he said that word. Yeah, he said that word as a priest. Yeah, he said that word up until very recently. Yeah, he said that word. And uh, so it might scandalize you, and I think that's why Jesus asked me to stop doing it. It isn't sinful in itself, the word. It's just vulgar. Huh? And so, so when he convicted me of it, I go, okay, Lord, I, I'll stop. And then just today with the scripture he gave me was another thing. He says, Lord, if you want me to stop doing that other thing, you just tell me like you told me about the S word and I'll stop. And so this morning when I open up the word of God, it was very explicit what he told me to stop. And I go, okay, I'll stop. So, but all the things recently he told me had to do with stopping things so he could have something better for me, huh? But earlier when I'd say yes to things, when I didn't want to do it, like when I took over my being my parish, I didn't want to take that parish over when it was the Bread of Life community, the Charismatics. I said to the bishop, you're making me the head of the nuthouse. No, and we argued back and forth for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then he looked at me and he said, Larry, I'm not asking. Under obedience. Uh, okay, bishop. And all the greatness that has happened. You know, the parish gets frustrated with me. Someone just came and saw me today and says, my negativity has not been good. And I says, I'm very happy that a woman came in and talked to me because it was true. Um, when things are crazy going on inside your heart, then it comes out in negativity. And my parish, I'm trying to keep it going. And uh, like people from all around the world, if I go there, they'll come. But in Erie, oh, People leave my parish and because of, you know, sometimes good reasons, sometimes not so good reasons. I lost a lot of people because I talked about wearing masks because that was what the bishop asked us to do, and I'm obedient. And uh, so I lost all kinds of people, and that hurt me, and that's what was happening. And so I need more than ever my parish to um, help me and to... to fight for our future and to fight for all that is good and instead of looking at us as a family they look at it sometimes as a country club so i go to a country club for what i want and as long as they give me what i want that's fine but then if it doesn't work out then i go somewhere else so more than ever i need the people of my parish to come around and got, get my back. And as I got their back, as I've, I've said, you know, throughout these almost 21 years, I've done their funerals, married them, baptized them, did everything I can. Not perfectly. None of us are perfect. But as a family, a family is a family. Uh, you don't just walk away from your family when things are getting tough. 
And that's what I have felt. Anyway, that's all beside the point. But the reality is that I said yes to God's will through obedience to my bishop or to my spiritual director. You know, when the first uh, Iraq war started in 1990 or so, and I was going to go and be a chaplain in the Navy and because uh, I wanted to be the Marine Corps chaplain. I'd have fit pretty well in that group. But anyway, um, and the bishop said, okay, I'm going through all the paperwork, and I didn't talk to my spiritual director, Father Peterson, about it. So I went to Pete, and I go, oh, by the way, Pete, I'm going to the Navy and be a chaplain. And he looked at me and he goes, that's not God's will for you. I said, what? He goes, that's not God's will for you. I said, Pete, the bishop already said I could go. I said, what am I going to say to the bishop? He says, you call him and tell him your spiritual director said no. Uh, I remember picking up the phone, calling Bishop Troutman, and I says, uh, Bishop Pete, my spiritual director, said no. And he says, okay, Larry, no problem. That was the end of it. I was so irritated with my director. But I'd obeyed him, but I didn't like it. And if I would have went into the service and been a chaplain, who knows what would have happened? The Lord would have let me do it. But if I wasn't obedient to my spiritual director, I would not be doing all the things I'm doing now. I'd have never wrote Be a Man, Surrender. I'd have never started the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. I wouldn't be at St. Joe's. I wouldn't be going around speaking the way I did. And I do. But it's all because I said yes to his will and no to mine. So we got to listen to God. So God will speak to us in our prayer every day. So we got to listen in our prayer. God will speak to us like he did with me today in his word, by me opening up the word, praying the Holy Spirit, speak to my heart your word, like he does to the, my spiritual directories, when I, uh, directees, when I, I only have two of them now, but I send them, you know, again, every morning, you've got to go pray and then send to me what God said to you. And so they do that every day, because I want them to start listening to God in his word, and the way God speaks most clearly to us is in his word. So we go to his word. Now we have to make sure we discern it. So again, as I've talked about, you don't open up the word of God and it says, and Judas hung himself and thinking, is this what God wants me to do? No, it's not. And his will is our peace. So you know when you are in prayer, you're listening. When you're reading scripture, you're listening. If you have a spiritual director, the main way you find out God's will is through your spiritual director. Um, but you can also do it by, again, writing out on different pieces of paper saying, God, I want your will more than I want my next breath. And you look at all the options you have in front of you. And then you put the good and bad of each of these options in front of you. And then you sit with the Lord, and it might be months sitting with the Lord, but you sit with the Lord and you take all your different options. And you say, God, you hold up one piece of paper and a good and bad on it and say, is this what you want me to do? If it's what you want me to do, I'll do it right now. If he gives you peace about it, then hold on to it. And go through each one. If one of these things causes you anxiety, one of these things causes you, you know, it's not peaceful, get rid of it. If you might get down to two and say, okay, God, both of these things give me peace. What do you want me to do if I was to stand before you tonight? Uh, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. So which of these two things will allow me to hear well and done, good and faithful servant? And then you're going to get a sense and you pick it and you go for it. Now, some people in some theologies say, that God doesn't care. Do what you want. That's just not true. From all eternity, God has a purpose for you in your life. And you've got to find out what that is. So first, you've got to desire it. Second, you have to listen. And I gave you a couple ways to listen to find out. But you've got to be always in the search. What do you want me to do if I take this next job? What do you want me to do if I marry this person? What do you want me to do? Is this the person you want me to marry? Is this the job you want me to take? Is this the high school? I mean, the college you want me to go to or the high school you want me to go to? What do you want? I will do it. So first, we've got to desire it. Second, we've got to listen until God speaks to us. And then third, we must obey. To obey it means we live it. We do it. And again, that's not always the easiest thing. It might cause you anxiety after it gave you peace because it's going to cost you. Like when Jesus uh, said, your will be done, and God says, okay, you want to go? I want you to go to the cross. Uh, I will obey. I will obey. And he went to the cross for you and me to bring us salvation. But notice it never ended at the cross. Lent's 40 days, Easter is 50. It's all about the resurrection. 
and all the things that God has planned for you and me. So it's trusting him. So you must desire it, you must listen for it, and then you must obey it to do God's holy will in your life. And when you do that, you will have peace. The whole purpose of the Surrender Book is a step-by-step guide about how to do and know God's will. And when you and I do that, the whole point, everything comes down to his, in, in his will is our peace, in his will is our peace, in his will is our peace. So do you have peace? And if the answer is in your heart of hearts, this isn't for me, it's for you. If you don't have peace, then there's two things you have to look at. One, you're in serious sin. So you can't have peace if you're in serious sin. Of course not. So you have to repent of that. Go to confession. Repent of it. You've been doing it your way. You need to do God, do it God's will. And then second, if you just went to confession, uh, you have no uh, sin, serious sin in your life, uh, but you still don't have peace, it's probably because you're not doing his will. You're doing something you want to do instead of something he wants to do, wants you to do. So you got to reorient, go back to that prayer, say, okay, God, I desire your will more in my next breath. Listen and then do. You got it? You get it? Are you going to live it? May you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, I need another. I'm very dry mouth. I almost drank this whole bottle of water. <laughs> anyway, let's now go on here to your questions. Harry, good evening. Hi, Harry. Hope. France as well. He is risen. He has risen indeed. Hi, Bruce. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Betty. Europe is more advanced than America. Shut up, Harry. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's not nice. At least I didn't say the other word. Gabby, thank you for your reminder of the show after Mass today. Indeed, Aaliyah. Teresa, hello, everybody. Aaliyah, Jesus is risen. Harry, my Baptist friends will not have a crucifix in their church, just having a plain cross. The reason we worship a risen Christ, he's no longer on the cross. Of course that is, but always remind them what St. Paul says. St. Paul says, I will preach nothing, but what? Christ and Christ crucified, huh? And so if Paul would preach nothing, I talked about he lived the crucifix, and then he's uh, uh, historically known as one of the first people that had the resurrection of the uh, the uh, stigmata of Christ. It says, let no one bother me. I bear in my body the wounds of Christ. Again, so, and we do it to remind us how much God loves us, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and two, of how we must love other people. Huh? So, uh, but Christ is alive. He's no longer on the cross except for the eternal nowness of God. But, oh, they got me more water. That's so nice. But it's because of all of what God has done for us, and that's how God proved to us that he loved us. So we still, we too, we don't, we don't uh, worship a dead God. We worship a live, risen Lord. But the crucifix reminds us what it is to say yes to God's will so that we can get resurrected with Jesus Christ. How's your everyone? See, Father, I haven't taken it. It'll be taken soon, but it's, uh, yeah, it hasn't been good, Mike. Yeah, yeah. We'll be fine. Ah. Uh, AMDG, your message is held for review. So we're going to see. I don't understand. What is the difference between a chapel and a church besides the size? We have both, but we don't have perpetual adoration. Well, you can have a chapel, which is a smaller place, usually for devotional things, like where we have perpetual adoration. Or you can have a chapel, a small reality for daily mass or for weddings and that. But the main church is the official church of the diocese and the Catholic church, that this is where the, this is the parish. And the parish can have a chapel, which is a smaller reality. But that's uh, traditionally what it is anyway. 
Uh, and my prayers, thank you, AMDG, purpose to do God's holy will. Yes, if God planned from the beginning to send Jesus to die on the cross to redeem mankind, how can we state that his crucifixion was done by Romans or Jewish people other than being part of God's plan? Because God always uses other people to do his plans, right? He uses it, and it was still... Um, like when God gave us the commandments, it was completely his will, but he used Moses, a man, to bring the commandments to us. You know, he uses, that's why when Jesus became a man, he had to become the God was made man, and God himself was in Jesus Christ. So when he said yes to the Father's will, it was done by man, but it was still God. So, hope that helps. Sunshine on my shoulders, make me happy. Hi, Sunshine87. What is the difference between unforgiveness and not, and not, and just not waiting to be around an extended family member that has treated you badly? Unforgiveness is refusing to forgive. So again, it's an act of the will, as I've talked about before. It's, Lord, I forgive them, and I ask you forgive them. It doesn't mean you have to hang around with them and be buddy-buddy. Like again, let's say you're in an abusive relationship, and your spouse beat you every day you do not have to stay in that relationship you just don't and you don't have to stay a victim by saying i'll never forget that spouse forgive that spouse who hurt me you must forgive the spouse who hurt you so that you're no longer a victim if not you stay to that thing you never move beyond it and you die inside it doesn't mean you go back to them and hang out with them they're abusive if someone has killed your son and you forgive the murderer it doesn't mean you have to be in deep relationship with them. But you are no longer a victim of them. You free. It's an act of the will. Jesus, I forgive them. I ask you to forgive them. Okay? I'm eager for your book to be published. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can't wait to get it done. And the more people get on my case, it's like too much pressure, too much pressure. Uh, praying for you, Father. At the moment, my older sister has pushed us away, not speaking to me or some of my siblings. I know I'm focusing on my feelings, but it hurts that she has shut me off. It's not the first time this happens. I pray for her and her children. They too will not speak to us. And again, there's a lot of people like this, and sometimes they're very good Catholic people, and they don't talk to about others. Talk, well, they talk about others a lot, but they don't talk with others. So one of the things you can do is send them a note saying, I'm thinking for you, I pray for you, and I love you. And let it go. You've done your part. They can do theirs. Okay. Thank you, Julie Newman. God bless me and my family. Happy Holy Easter. Thank you very much. Julia Ryan, happy Easter. Thanks for your gift, too. It was so nice for uh, uh, Amazon. You're so good. Father, can you please keep Java Quinn in your prayers? Thank you, everybody. Would you please pray for them, too? George, Father, can you explain, lead us not into temptation, part of the Our Father. I talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago, but this is what the scripture says here. The scripture does not say, lead us not into temptation. The scripture says, and do not subject us to the final test, but deliver us from the evil one. So, it's, a tra it's, a, it's not a good translation into the English is the problem. And uh, that's why when the Pope said that a couple years ago, and then people said, see, he's going to change the Our Father, he's the Antichrist. And every time someone says something like that, it just shows their ignorance. Not that they're bad people, they're just ignorant, meaning they don't know. And they don't know they don't know. So again, when reading uh, the stuff from my book, and it came down to this, that this is subject us not to the final test, because they were afraid of a final test that was be given. I go into more hi history of that there. But it, because James is very clear, God cannot lead us into temptation. So again, it's a bad translation. And then there's other people, say, it's a great translation, Father. You know, people are just, every time I ever say anything on this podcast, I just know there's people. You don't see it because I take it off immediately and I ban them from the thing because they're just nasty, you know. Like again, just the last three days, I've had a, um, banned people from the YouTube page, I think five or six people, because they were just nasty. Um, and again, I'm not putting up with people's negativity. I have enough, enough negativity of my own. Okay. 
Fah, Harry, George, in French, the line translated, unless let us not succumb to temptation. Exactly, different translations have a different. And the Holy Father talked about that. It's the English translation, which is the most problematic. That's why you always go back to the Greek and what did Jesus actually say, even though he said it in Aramaic. But again, most translations of the Bible says, and subject us not to the final trial. Father Larry, I'll be at Mass on May 7th. And you can whack me then. How do I know when it's sound, when it's God's will and not mine? I'm ducking now. Because you won't give yourself peace, believe it or not, when it's God's will who give you peace about it. Meaning, peace meaning if you were to die today, you know you're doing what he wants you to do. Okay, May 7th, yeah, I'll be there. I leave the next day for the Holy Land. And um, it's going to be pretty good. Thank you, Father Larry from California. My husband was just brought into the church Easter Vigil, and I have been praying for 20 years. God always answers prayers. You betcha. And we'll pray for him, Therese. Ah. Nola, I am traveling. Went to Mass yesterday. Went to Mass yesterday. Came back to where I am staying. Went to Mass with you, Father Larry. Needed your homily. Thank you. Very good. I need my homilies. Again, my homilies, the Lord convicts me first, and then I go and convict everybody else. That's just the way it happens. Let's take some of these paper ones now. Dear Father Larry, my boyfriend and I love your show and have learned much. We are very grateful for your wisdom and excellent teaching. On your last show, the writer named Karen sent in prayer requests. I thought you were very harsh with her. It was quite startling, actually. Huh. I don't remember that. Sorry. I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt, but uh, had she written in many times before with a large prayer request? And you had asked her, oh, okay, I do remember that, where, where this in live chat uh, is for people to ask questions. If I remember correctly, she had filled up half the, the thing with all prayer requests, and this isn't the place for it, and that's what I said, that the place for it is we have two prayer request places at the foundation, and at my parish. So could have been one of my uh, irritable days, which I have, uh, but I don't want people to be just piling on prayer requests here. Like I get every day, even on our YouTube, just piled on prayer requests. And that's not the purpose of this. Like today, when someone asked us to pray for somebody, I said, let's pray for them and uh, ask everybody else to pray for them. But when it comes to uh, people, again, Sometimes people always want their own way and they want us just to bow over and say, okay, whatever you want. That wasn't the way Jesus did with that. Talk about startling. Jesus would startle many people the way he, the way he treated uh, the woman who he called her a dog, the woman, uh, the, the Pharisees. It doesn't okay. I'm not equating myself with Jesus in that regard. But when I told someone, I mightn't have been as kind as people expected. But every time, when, always when it comes to me is, uh, um, don't expect, I am, I, again, right after this time, I'm going to go in for my, see my shrink for another hour for over two years now because I always have a bite to me. And I don't like it any more than you do, but it is part of the thing. So, um, but I don't know if that's the thing. If it was her first writing in, it sounded like I said, so she owe her an apology. <laughs> Thank you. You're another one that likes to tell me what to do. I, again, will say things sometimes well, sometimes not. If I know them, I will apologize. But again, just for telling people that they shouldn't be doing something they shouldn't be doing, it isn't. But it's always funny that people always tell me what's gonna, what I should do. But thank you for telling me what I should do. If the Lord tells me to apologize, I will, but he didn't. As far as I know, not yet anyway. That could change. A blessed Trinity, Mrs. Tamo, and happy Easter. I recently got a text from a friend asking us to pray for a deceased mother would be raised higher in heaven. I never heard of such a thing. Neither have I. Is there really such a thing? No. And this is from Sharon outside of Buffalo. Is that from the other one was saying Sharon from outside of Buffalo? It was Sharon outside of Buffalo. 
I have never, ever heard that. Once you've been judged, you're in the thing forever in heaven. That's your place. But again, uh, different people, they have different degrees of heaven. I would have been more comfortable if she had said, pray for my mother to get to heaven because she could be stuck in purgatory. And we don't want her stuck in purgatory. And that's why when people are always praying for the poor souls, and I pray for the poor souls every day, but we need to sit there and uh, know that every poor soul in purgatory, everyone, will get to heaven. Their saints being purified, but they get to go to heaven. I'm always more concerned about the people who never have the chance to make it to purgatory that go to damnation. And there's so many people in our world today that go to damnation. And this isn't me saying it, huh? It's the word of God. Remember, I've told you before, uh, when I used to teach my uh, boys at prep, I'd always sit there and talk about uh, choose the narrow way. This is in Matthew chapter 7, and at verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, the gate that leads, the gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those enter through it are many. How many, how narrow is the gate and constricted the road that leads to life. Those who find it are few. So, according to Jesus, most people go to hell when they die. We got to do everything in our power to stop them from going to hell. We got to proclaim the gospel to them. We got to make sure that our Christianity is not a selfish Christianity which is all about me and my salvation and my prayers and my desires and my wants because, again, that's not what we're looking for. We exist to do God's will. And if God wants everyone to be saved, then i got to want everyone to be saved. And if God does everything in his power to save others, which he does in the death of Jesus on the cross, so must we be willing to do everything to save others. So I'm more concerned about we bring people to salvation who are apart from salvation. That's why I often say, daily mass people usually don't like me much, except for the people who watch the daily mass. But the other ones sit there and think I'm just arrogant or I'm just different things, but it's a different, uh, you know, some people looked at Jesus again, thought he was the devil. He was a rule breaker and everything else. The great sinners looked at Jesus and saw their salvation. So I often, my whole ministry is to bring people back or who have never known Christ to know Christ. That's the thing. Other people, they can sit there and they can do it without me easily. But I'm here to bring everybody else back. So that's why it's sometimes I'm a little bit stronger. Sometimes I'm a little bit more off, whatever it is. But still. Okay, we'll take one more of the written ones. I have a question and one comment. One comment and one question. My comment first. I heard you say write a letter to Jesus and then write his response to you. I have been doing this and I am, while well, I'm at Holy Hour. This has been wonderful for me. I feel like I'm really conversing with the Lord. Praise God. This is for Marie. My question is, why are so many churches saying parts of the Mass in Latin? I grew up in the Latin Mass. I like English better. Why is not a criticism? This is not a criticism. Just wondering why. I don't know. I am not a Latin lover myself, even though like, I love to sing the Salve Regina in Latin. The Latin is the church's universal um, language. And the Latin is also an old language. It's not the oldest language of the church. The reason it was uh, like when St. Jerome translated uh, the Gospels from the Greek to the Latin, which is called the Vulgate, it's because that was what most people spoke. And he wanted the scriptures to speak to people. So now that we have all these, you know, now the churches throughout the world, we go to the language of the people because God incarnated himself into our language. God incarnated himself into our being, into a particular culture, into a particular part of the world. He got in there, learned all this stuff, and spoke their language so they could come to know him. Sometimes in a church, we're closed-centered. It's only about us. We have our secret language. Heck with everybody else out there. If you want to know God, you got to learn the language. And I don't think that's of God. I just don't. 
people do it, of course, and they like it because they like the mystery of it. They like the unity of it. They like the tradition of it. All very good things. But and I and I'm a firm believer that we should have the Latin Mass. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer, though, when the people that are going to the Latin Mass criticize everyone else for not. Those are the ones they should be closed down because they're bringing disunity into the church. And when you bring disunity in the church and into the very mass itself, it's sin. And when they criticize everybody else, so that's why for many years I was going to learn the Latin mass for the people who wanted it. Because I believe if that's what you want, as long as you're not judgmental of everybody else, I'll give it to you. Because if that's your sincere desire and God bless you, let's do your, if that's going to help you praise God more, God bless you. But when you say this is the only way and everybody else is wrong, now you've went something good and you've perverted it and you've made it something bad because now it's not a thing that brings everybody together, but it becomes a source of disunity. And that's my problem with it. But I believe it's beautiful and it's good. And so some of the young people don't know any Latin at all. Uh, even some of the priests I know don't know any Latin at all, except they learn the Latin mass parts. You know, again, not a problem unless you think that you're better or holier. I had a family that took their family out of my parish because they wanted their kids to be holy and they couldn't be holy. Holier was the Latin mass instead of the English mass. And I said, on that very altar, I say mass on every day. The same God becomes a man, becomes a, a sacrament. The same God is in the Eucharist. And when someone says it's more holy if it's in Latin, then it's in English, it's heretical, it's wrong, and it's just judging of everybody else who doesn't see things their way, and that's the issue. But, again, in itself, I think it's fantastic. If it does, inviting everybody in, acknowledging if someone doesn't like that, that's fine, God bless them. Again, same reality. It's when you sit there and think that you're better. Like People go crazy at me. I make them say amen because uh, at the Latin Mass, you don't say amen. So they come to my, my church and they kneel down and they'll stick out their tongue at me and I'll say, you got to say amen. And people, ah, you got to say amen. It means you'll stake your life. You will die for the real presence of the Eucharist. That to me is the greatest need is this faith that you'd be willing to die to receive Christ in the Eucharist. So you got to say amen. You just got to do it. And people get mad at me and scream at me and say, ah, and I, and I, ah. in the Roman church, in the rite of Vatican II, you must say amen. So if you're coming to our mass, then join us where we are. That's all. So again, I, <laughs> it drives me crazy. It drives other people crazier. Uh, I know. Okay. Okay, we got to get out of here soon. Do, 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 do. I'm traveling, went to Mass, okay. Jesus said he would be in the tomb for three days and three nights. I understand the three days, but there are no three nights. I always question that, too. We bury him on uh, a Friday and Saturday night. We're having a celebration. <laughs> I, I don't know the whole theology behind it. But let me tell you, I've, I haven't, I, and I haven't, cared enough i guess to go and really find out how that what that looks like i'd encourage you to to google it and find out what that's like uh yeah something that has not happened again usually three days not three nights i haven't read the three nights but i know three days and i know how they kind of get it but yes i'd be more i get, I get it i agree i get it i don't know i just don't know how to answer you because i don't know i haven't looked it up and i'm going to make myself look it up anyway i hope you're happy What's your favorite papal encyclical? Oh, my. I just uh, finished reading uh, the first, um, what was Vatican Council, one's encyclical on the Deo Verbum and the Word of God. It was fantastic, 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 fantastic. I also love of an encyclical is uh, Pope uh, Benedict's uh, God is Love. It's one of the most phenomenal things you ever read is God is love. It's fantastic. And what he talks about, if he says, do you want to know what I mean, what God means when we say God is love? You look at the side of the pierced side of Jesus. That's what we mean, God is love. That he would die for us while we are still sinners. 
He loves us so much. That's what it means. Okay. Harry, I was told the difference between a chapel and a church is a whole church is consecrated, whereas a chapel is only an altar is consecrated. Never heard that, but sounds good, Harry. Dear Father, first, always pray for you. Thank you, Julie. Carol, God gave his only begotten son to die for our salvation. Does that mean that God himself suffered as a mother of five? I can offer up myself, for it, not, but not for my children. You can offer up your suffering for your children. Of course you can, as Jesus did. God in Jesus uh, suffered that day. But it, you have to watch because there's a heresy that uh, says one and not the other. And again, I am not a theologian. Can you all tell? Um, I can only do my best, but uh, God in Jesus suffered, if you will, because we talk about God died on the cross. So, of course, in Jesus, in his humanity, God in his divinity cannot die, of course. But they became one, and so God died in Christ. But it, uh, I don't know. I'm going back to Paris now. I'm still going to Mass in New York. He is not a tame lion. You got that right. <laughs> From C.S. Lewis. Why have Catholic politicians who vigorously promote abortion not been excommunicated? It seems unjust that they are allowed to remain in the church, but people like Martin Luther were kicked out. Well, first of all, abortion is the worst sin, I believe, in the world. But Jesus never said you're going to hell from abortion. Look it up. He never said it, doesn't say it at all. He does say if you don't take care of the poor, you'll be damned forever. So according to what Jesus said, so people who don't take care of the poor are not being Catholic and will be damned according to Jesus himself. So why don't we throw those people out too? Huh? We pick and choose which sins we believe now, again, abortion is the worst sin. I 1,000% agree with you. But it's not the only sin that hurts other people. Well, you say, well, they're uh, 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 innocent children. You betcha. They're in their mother's womb, very innocent. But there are people who are innocent in the world that we who are strong Catholics do not go out of our way to protect them and help them and let them live. So children who are born die of starvation and we Catholics say, oh, how okay, much I can do about it? There is. It's just as much a sin when we let young children die as when we let mothers kill their aborted babies. So we got to watch when we just say this and only this. There's many, many reasons we should be thrown out of the Catholic Church and not receive communion. Unforgiving heart, another thing. You purposely don't forgive everybody. You will go to hell just as much an abortionist, just as much because you kill them and you kill you. So again, I agree with you, but it's not, we are not, uh, we gotta, uh, it's not the only sin. It's the greatest sin, I believe, 100%. But uh, I would throw them out myself, but I understand why they haven't been. Uh, I think they throw themselves out. I think it's also the same thing when a bishop goes against the Pope they should be excommunicated immediately, done. You're gone, you're done. You have separated yourself from the Catholic Church. Why do we keep these bishops and cardinals? Why do we keep them when they go against the Holy Father? They should be expelled because they're going against their vows of obedience and they're splitting the church and they're leading other people astray. Out, get out. But they're against abortion, yeah. But they're still killing the church, which is a bigger death. So we got to just watch when we throw out these things. And when I throw out these things, we got to just watch. Okay, can those who have been passed, can they see us? In the body of Christ, of course. Um, thank you and send money. You don't have to send any money to me, Julie. That's not what I'm about in any way, shape, or form. Shaking my head at some people express themselves toward you. Unbelievable, I get it. But I get it. They kill Jesus. They're gonna, and again, I'm not Jesus. And so all the more they should be coming at me. Padre Pio was harsh. He was very harsh. It was some, oh my, he could be so harsh. How did you make the chain bracelet for the Marian consecration? I didn't. All this thing is, is I went to the local hardware store. I cut a piece of chain and then I pulled it apart and I put it on me. So people always ask, that's a cool, cool thing you have, Father, a cool bracelet. I go, that's a piece of chain I find at a hardware store. Okay. We all need tough love. If something tells me I'm going to some, everything right, it's not helpful. I need people, priests to stand up to me, I know. When, where did, would you say most people go to hell? Right where I just said, many people go to hell here. 
Um, again, let's go back to that for a second. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate that is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction or damnation is the other translation. And those who enter it are many. How narrow is the gate and constricted the road that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And now I got to go. It's four o'clock. My shrink is waiting. After listening to me for this last hour, do you understand why I need a shrink? I don't have, you know, when people sat there and read my book, they says, Father, you have issues. I have too many issues to be spoken. Anyway, I got to go. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. I love you. I pray for you. And we will be together, God willing, next week.